Um, I thought the Lord would give me uh, a Christmas Sunday off, uh, but nevertheless, it's only one reason that I preach, and that's because I got a word. So I got something for the people of God today, and I really want to just kind of take my time and lunch uh, this message is because this is what we're going to be going into January for the next couple of weeks. We'll be right here um, in this series of, of thought that we're in. Uh, book of Mark chapter number 9 verses number 14 is going to be our uh, foundational text, Mark 9, 14. Let's go ahead and make our declaration of faith. If you have your Bible or your electronic device lifted above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, and not just a hearer. And my life, come on everybody, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. I'm gonna read quite a bit here, Mark chapter number nine, verse number 14. Uh, the Bible declares, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. 16 declares, and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever he, it seizes him, he throws him down. He foams at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples, these boys that's been following you for some time now, thinking that they should cast it out, but somebody shout, they could not. But they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless, somebody shout, faithless generation. He said to them, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. I just want to pause there for a moment, because there are times when you have gone through situations for so long. Hmm. It seems almost difficult to really believe that God can make a difference in your circumstance. You know that there's a difference between knowledge and faith. You, you, can, you can know that God can, but sometimes even after knowing that God can do it, because I've heard the testimonies of other people, sometimes it's hard for us to believe that he can do it and will do it for us. So this, this father has been dealing with this situation for a long time. And he goes on to describe in verse number 22, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But look at the father, because I'm in a desperate situation. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do nothing, so I'm bringing him to you now. If you can do anything about my situation, my relationships, my finances, my family, my employment, this, this burden that's upon my chest. If you, Jesus, can do anything, have, show a brother a little love. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the father makes a declaration that I love. Immediately the father of the child cried out, 
and said with tears, Lord, I do believe. Somebody shout, Lord, help my unbelief. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you for this time once again to minister the word of God to the people of God. Help me to properly exegete the text. Hmm. I don't want to add or take anything away. I want to give exactly what you've given me to the people, and I thank you now, and it is in Jesus' mighty name again. And everybody says, now I need you guys just to indulge me just for a moment because there are some concepts that I'm going to teach, and it's going to seem like from time to time that I'm just kind of splitting hairs, and I'm going to tell you in advance, I'm really not. There's something that God wants to say to the people of God, something that he wants to communicate to you that he has taught me and has been reinforcing in my life. I want to start with Hebrews chapter number 11, verses number 1, where the writer declares, now faith is the substance. Everybody shout, faith is a substance. The writer declares, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this thought down. Faith is a real spiritual substance that causes the will of God to manifest. It is a just like this water is a real natural substance in this bottle, faith really is a real spiritual substance that causes, everybody shout, the will of God. That causes the will of God to manifest, everybody shout, in my life. Now, let me pause there before I dive deeper, and let me just kind of debunk some things that, that, that uh, not necessarily we've been taught, but sometimes we embrace um, unintentionally. Faith is not a manipulative tool that we have to try to strong arm God into doing something he don't want to do. <laughs> okay? It ain't because I got faith. Okay, I'm going to make God change his mind about my situation. No, the reality is faith is just the tool whereby we use to manifest what God wants to do in our lives anyway. Are y'all with me? The Bible declares in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verses number 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has, somebody shall prepared. So God has prepared things already in store for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 declares, for I know the plans, everybody shall plans. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, look at the plans that God got for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a, and a future. So understand that, that what God has for you, it is for you, but the will of God requires your participation. So just because he got it for you don't mean that it's just going to automatically, because I, I've, heard, I've heard certain people say whatever the Lord going to do, he just going to do it anyway. No, whatever God's going to do in your life, it requires your participation. Everybody shout, it requires my participation. I want to show you this in the text in Galatians 3.14. Again, I'm going to prove text quite a bit because I want to drive home a point because I believe that God is getting ready to do the supernatural. Somebody shout, again. He's getting ready to do something, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of men. He's getting ready to do something that big, and he's saying, I'm not going to do it outside of you. I'm going to do it with you. In Galatians 3.14, the Bible declares that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we 
might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, the context of Galatians 3 is the Spirit of God, which was promised by God, coming down upon the sons and daughters of God. That's the context of the text. But the principle of the text is even what God has promised, his Spirit, is only received through, everybody shout, faith. Hebrews 11.33 declares, who through faith, these great men and women of God, they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions. What God had in store for them, the healing, the deliverance, the breakthrough. Somebody shout, it belongs to me. It belongs to you. But the will of God in your life, it does require your participation. So again, faith is a real spiritual substance. It's a, it's a spiritual substance. Just like this liquid is a natural substance, faith itself is a real spiritual substance. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, how much you got? How much, real, real talk, how much, how much you got? And that's a, that's a trick question. Because when people answer it, they often answer it based on the accumulation of things that are valuable in the eyes of other people. So if I got a brand new house, I got a brand new car, I got brand new shoes, I got a fresh new wardrobe, then I got great faith because the things that I possess are great in the eyes of other people. But the way to really measure your faith level is not by the stuff that you've accumulated that impresses people, but the way you really measure your faith is by the level of manifestation of the will of God in your life. Because great faith is going to produce great results. Little faith is going to produce... How many of y'all in here got a full tank of gas right now? Raise your hand. Full tank of gas right here. Be laugh, got a full tank of gas. Yeah, how many of y'all on a ha half a tank? Half a tank. What a half a tank folk at? Half a tank. How many of y'all on zero? I mean E, the light on right now. Don't be ashamed. I love you. Where you at? Y'all right in the back. I got you. How many of y'all right now don't know how much gas you got in your car? <laughs> this is everybody else. Watch this. The question wasn't how fast can your car go from zero to 60 in whatever point, whatever seconds. The question wasn't even, it wasn't even what type of vehicle you have. The question is, how much gas do you currently have in your car? Because based on the amount of gas that you have determines how far you're going to go. Full tank going to go a lot further than half a tank. Half a tank, come on, going to go a lot further than the one that's got the light on. I'm challenging somebody today that if we're going to do great exploits, we need great faith. Again, it's going to sound like I'm splitting hairs, but I'm going somewhere. Watch this, watch this. In the, in the book of, let's see, Luke chapter number 7, verse number 9, Jesus says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The context is the centurion soldier, uh, 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 the centurion soldier has a servant that's sick to the point of death. He sends a message to Jesus to come and heal him. While Jesus is on his way, he sends another message to Jesus, and he says, tell Jesus I'm not worthy for him to come into my house, and neither am I worthy to go to him. Just speak a word, and my servant will be healed. 
He goes on to explain that I have servants under me. I am a servant under somebody else. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. If you speak a word, Jesus is blown away because everybody else that wants me to heal them, they want me to touch them. They want me to physically come there. I found somebody who understands the value of a spoken word. You ain't got to be here, but if you say be healed, come on, somebody. My servant is going to be healed. Blown away. Jesus says, I haven't seen such great faith all of Israel. Now let's juxtapose Luke 79 with Mark 6 and 5. The scripture declares, he, Jesus, could not, could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick folk, uh, sick people and healed them. And he marveled. This is why he couldn't do a lot of miracles. The Bible declares, because, watch this, of their unbelief. Matthew 13, 58 declares, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It's a trip. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the mighty God, the Messiah could not do many mighty works in Nazareth because the people wouldn't believe in him. And I'm telling you today, based on your level of faith, determines the level of manifestation of results concerning the will of God in your life. So this is not a new teaching. This is an old teaching. Well, Pastor, you're going to have to help me out then. How I get this faith, man? How do, because I, I, I want great manifestation in this season. Is anybody with me? I want great manifestation. There's some things that God has been talking to me about, and I'm, I'm, I'm just straight up. Chad, it's on the top shelf. It's top shelf stuff. I know that in my physical strength, I can't reach that myself. I cannot get to that level that I believe that God has in store for me. So it's going to take great faith. So Pastor McGee, I'm with you. I feel the same thing, that in every area of my life, there's some greater things that God has in store for me. Everybody just shout this. I see myself in the future. And I look better than I do right now. I'm telling you, in the future, there are some things that God has in store for you, but it's going to take great faith in order for you to receive them and achieve them. So, Pastor, how do I get it? Old teaching. Now faith comes by what, y'all? Hearing and hearing by what, y'all? The Word of God. Now, this is powerful. I just want to debunk a revelation that I got years ago concerning this particular scripture that literally changed my life for the rest of my life. Put the scripture back on the screen. The Bible declares faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what are you hearing right now? Because some of you all are trying to build your faith on the revelation you got last year. Come on. Something, you, you, you're trying to stand on a promise concerning you, something you heard 10 years ago. When the Bible declares faith comes by hearing what you're currently hearing right now. When I got this revelation, my whole library changed, my study life changed, everything about me changed because I realized whenever I go into a hard-pressed situation where I need God to manifest something, I know that I need to build my faith up in that particular area. If I'm going through a tough time with my children, I need to listen to the Word of God concerning parenting. If I'm going through a tough time in my marriage, I need to listen to the Word of God concerning marriage. If I'm going through a tough time concerning my father, finances, I need to open up the book. Come on, somebody, and see what the Word of God is saying concerning my finances. Isn't it, isn't it funny how that when you get to going through, the devil wants you to stay home? 
I wonder why. Because even the devil knows himself that if she keeps getting this word, if he keeps getting this word on the inside of him, after a while, he's going to realize that he's bigger than the situation he's in. Let me keep you out of church. Let me keep you out of your Matter of fact, every time you read the Bible, let me put a sleepy spirit on you. Come on, somebody. Let me keep you out the word because I don't want you to grow above the situation that you're in. So, so if you watch this, watch this. If you if you appreciate appreciate anything about my my teaching and my study time, uh, please understand it was never about y'all. It was always about what I was going through and the necessity of getting good word in me, so I can ooh, so I can personally overcome. You look at my library right now, and you see all of these books. You see all of these audio CDs. And right now, I don't have, I don't have a, I still have my old audio CDs and DVDs. But right now, my library, Audible, is full of books. My MP3 uh, uh, player is full of audio books. You know why? Matter of fact, my kids, they don't like riding with me. They want to ride with their mama. You know why? Because we ain't listening to no music in my car. I'm going through something. I ain't got time for you. Come on. My daughter get in the car like, Dad, can we please listen to some music? No, I'm going through. I need my faith to go to the next level, and I understand that faith comes by what, y'all? <sighs> and hearing by the word of God. Somebody shout, I got to build my faith. So as I was meditating on this thought and preparing to teach the, the people of God, I'm, I'm trying to, man, because listen, I'm not intimidated by nobody's growth. I promise you, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm not intimidated. I'm not the kind of pastor that want to keep you just one step behind me. So I can, watch this, so I can stay employable. <laughs> the devil is a lie. I want you to grow as, as, as big as you can in the spiritual realm. Watch this. Because the kingdom of God, somebody shout, the kingdom needs me. So I start thinking, what hinders faith? What is it? Because it's one thing to... Hmm. How many of y'all like me? Don't, no matter of fact, don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. It's, I just, it's just my little secret. Um, my little secret. Man, shit, I go to Planet Fitness, dog. Go in there, hit them weights hard. Bam, 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 bam. Get finished 30, 45 minutes. Get on that treadmill and I'm rolling, boy. Look at my Apple Watch and ooh, a thousand calories burned. Feeling good. Feeling real good. Y'all know what that feel like? So you're like, no, <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> Leave Planet Fitness. You know what? Let me go on to McDonald's. After all, I deserve this. I burn a thousand calories. But I'm getting ready to put 2,000 back in my body. What I'm saying to some of you all, you're doing the right thing and building your faith, but your spiritual nutrition is bad. Say it plainly. You're building your faith and hearing the word of God, but you still got sin in your life. It's, it's got quiet, it got quiet, it got quiet. Whew. I wasn't supposed to teach. God gave me this, I promise. L look at the, what's, what the scripture declares. The scripture declares, Romans chapter number 10, verse number 17. No, excuse me, that's not what I want. Uh, Romans 14, 23b, it says... For whatever is not from faith is what, y'all? It's sin. So what I'm challenging you with, not only do you have to build your faith, you also have to fortify your faith. Not only build it, but you got to protect what you're building. Don't make sense to spend all that time in the gym 
with all of these gains and then you contradict that whole hour and 15 minutes in the gym because your nutrition is bad. And there's some of us, we are building our faith with the word of God. We're hearing encouraging things. We're listening to the word of God. We're reading our Bible, and that's wonderful. But there's still some things in your life, watch this, that's eating at your faith. Because faith, sin contradicts faith. The book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2, verse number 11, the Bible declares, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. Why? Why, y'all? What does it say? Which wage war against what, y'all? It, it wages war against your own soul. And understand, you have sins of the flesh, and then you have, watch this, you have sins of the heart. So sins of the flesh, fornication and, and adultery, and uh, you, you stealing and you, and you lying. I, I understand the devil is sneaky, y'all. If I can't get you in the dumb stuff no more, how about I put something in your heart and just let it lie there, Huh? Look at the scripture. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.10. He says, anyone, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order, watch this. Why, why did I have to do, deal with this bitterness in my heart? Why did I have to deal with this unforgiveness in my heart, this hatred in my heart? In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I need y'all to hear me for a second because the devil knows, the devil knows, watch this again, if I allow you to continue to build your faith in just a moment, you're going to be strong enough to overcome what I'm throwing at you. So I can't stop you from reading the word, okay? I can't stop you from coming to church. I can't stop you from listening to uh, uh, messages on, on whatever uh, platform you listen to them on. But I tell you what I can do, let me dangle something in front of your eyes to keep it in your heart. So whenever you get ready to exercise your faith, I push that button or I happen to come to Walmart. <laughs> Same time you get there so you can be reminded of what she did or what he didn't do. Are y'all with me in this place? Look at 1 John 3, 20. The Bible declares, if our hearts condemn us, this is so good. We know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Look at this. And receive from him anything we ask. So he says, when there is no condemnation in my heart, I have confidence towards God, faith towards God. And with that faith, uh, verse number 22, I receive what I ask. But when I got condemnation in my heart... My confidence is weak. Where does condemnation come from? It comes from sin. See, some of y'all don't want to sin because you don't want to feel guilty. But with the devil, it ain't about you feeling bad or feeling guilty. It's about weakening your faith muscles so that you're not able to triumph over the, the, the things that he's throwing in your path. So he says when you don't have condemnation, you're overcome. When you're walking in righteousness, you don't have condemnation in your heart. Then you have great confidence towards God, and you receive the very thing that you ask. Somebody shout, I got to build and fortify my faith. I got I to build. I got to build. I got to build. I got to hear the word of God. I got to build. I got to build. I can't rely on what I heard last week, last month, last year. Today, I need every, somebody shout every day. I want to help somebody shout again every day. Every day, I got to get the word of God on the inside of me. I got to put fresh word on the inside of me because faith comes. It comes. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But not only should I build my faith, I also got to fortify my faith against things that the enemy would seem sin to try to contradict my faith. 
So how do you build your faith with the word of God? How do you fortify your faith with consecration? Consecration. Consecration, I'm defining it as the intentional act of setting yourself apart from things that edify the flesh. The flesh, this inward, these inward desires to do things that are against God's will. So when I consecrate myself, everybody shout, Lord, consecrate me. Say it again, Lord, consecrate me. Okay, listen, God don't consecrate people. People that love God consecrate themselves. I need you to hear me because we've actually been praying the wrong prayer. God, consecrate me. Watch this. God, get me out of this relationship, and God's been telling you to get out of that relationship. God, help me to stop stealing, and God says, no, I want you to stop stealing and put that down. God don't consecrate you. There's an act of consecration you got to do yourself. Let me show you in the scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 19. The Bible declares, nevertheless, the solid, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone, somebody shout everyone, and let everyone who names the name of Christ do what, y'all? You have to depart from iniquity. 20 declares, but in, this is so good, a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So in my house, we have, we have fine china and we got paper plates. Fine china and we got paper plates. In my house, everybody has the right and the authority to grab them paper plates whenever they get ready to. And when you get done with your paper plate, what do you do? Trash it. In my house, when it comes to fine china, everybody don't have the right to grab china. And God says, you're not paper plates, you fine china. Some of y'all have made yourselves too accessible to people that every time somebody want to grab a hold of you, good, bad, or ugly, they can touch you. <sighs> Don't you even know as a minister, I have to receive uh, 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 counsel from God before going out of the house and ministering? I receive invitation. Pastor McGee, I want you to come preach. I want you to teach here. I got to get a check in my spirit that this is what God wants me to do because watch this. Ministry is his assignment, not mine. And I could be taking on assignment that belongs to somebody else, get there, wreck the house, and don't know why. I'll tell you why, because you were never supposed to be there. I'm not a paper plate, I'm fine china. So watch this. I only come out when the master brings me out of the shelf. So he says in this great house, it's many vessels. You got some of gold and some of silver. You got some of wood and clay. Verse number 24, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So he's going to challenge us in verse number 22. He's going to say, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Somebody shout, I got to consecrate myself. Make this plain, pastor. You got to consecrate yourself. Why? Because building my faith alone with the word of God is not sufficient for me to stand in this hour. 
I also have to guard my faith from fleshly things that want to subtract away from my faith. If I'm getting ready to take a trip, I'm going to fill my car up. And when I fill my car up, watch this. I don't want Greg Jr. driving my car. I don't want nobody driving my car because I need a full tank for the, for the drive, the, for the trip I got to take. And there are too, too many of us, we get full tanks, but we got all of these other uh, 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 attachments connected to us that's draining us. So we never quite get to the, de- we get halfway there. I mean, what good, what good is planning a trip to Disney and you get stuck in Pensacola? Well, this is as far as the gas could take us, so let's, let's enjoy something, whatever. Let's go to the beach. But this ain't Disney. And God has a great journey for you. He has a great destination for you. Somebody shout, I need a full tank. And you're going to need a full tank. Therefore, you're going to have to build your faith. And not only build your faith, you're going to have to guard your faith through, through consecration. I'm almost where I'm going. If there's anybody who understands consecration... It is the disciples. Two forms of consecration. The first one that I want to talk about is general consecration, the idea that consecration itself is a lifestyle. It is. It's it's the life that I live. So watch this. You don't do a temporary fast from sin. I'm going on consecration, so I ain't going to sleep with nobody who ain't my wife this month. (laughs) Come on, somebody. General aspect of consecration is the idea that it's a lifestyle. The disciples have lifestyle consecration. I want to show you in the text. The Bible declares in Mark chapter number one, verse number 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, and they were fishermen. Look what Jesus says. He says to them, come follow me. This is general consecration. I, what, I'm, what you're getting ready to experience, watch this, is not just the internal change. It's going to be a lifestyle change. You're not going back to fishing no more because I'm getting ready to make you fish of men. Come follow me. Verse number 18 declares, at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And he says... Without delay, he called them, and they, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Mark chapter number 3, verse number 13, Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, If he's going to give a message to somebody to preach as well as authority to drive out the demonic, don't you think that Jesus is going to be selective as to who? Interesting. I I used the example last week. Chad, I told Chad to come here. I asked Chad for his wallet. Chad had no problem going into his wallet. Bam. Now, do you think if I was a stranger on the street and I was like, hey, hey, my man. Let me, let me hold on to that wallet. He didn't have a problem with that last week because he knows 
that I have a level of commitment to him that I'm not going to do anything to dishonor him. Do you understand? I'm consecrated in that regards to him. So if you want to use my, my wallet for an analogy, here it goes, Pastor. So Jesus, because these boys chose to consecrate themselves to him, they, they, somebody shout consecration, it's a lifestyle. They changed their lifestyle to accommodate what Jesus wanted. And I'm telling you all today, in this faith-building journey, God is challenging us to change our lifestyle to accommodate his presence. You have a permanent guest living on the inside of you. And I want you to keep your house clean so it can be comfortable for me. And because they accommodated themselves, uh, accommodated Jesus, because they consecrated themselves, he gives them the authority to preach and to cast out demons. Now, if anybody understands consecration, it's these boys. And because they have consecrated themselves, they have a right, and there's certain things that they can just do. Check, come here just for a second. Come here again, sir. Here's the analogy that I use. Give me that wallet again, please, sir. Here's the example. I said that this is the toy of the enemy. It's sin. And that's the devil. Let's just say you're a demon. And as long as I have toys that belong to him, he has a legal right to be in my life. So you can call your pastor and ask your pastor to pray for you. You can call whoever you want to come and pray for you. At the end of the day, he ain't going nowhere because he got a legal right to be there. It's not until I give him back his toys. Hold on right there. Because of everybody shout general consecration. Because of general consecration, he comes in my house, comes within my sphere of influence, my wife, near my wife, near my kids, near anything that belongs to me, because of my general consecration to the Lord, my faith is at a place because I'm building myself in faith and I'm fortifying myself in faith. I have the right to deal with him. So now watch this for a second. Come, come close, come close. The scripture declares that Jesus gives Authority to his disciples, chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 6, we see the disciples casting out demons. They got power. When we get to chapter number 9, Pop, the disciples are blown away because Jesus is on the mountaintop being transfigured, Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah appears to him. A man brings his son to the disciples, the other nine has a demon, and they want the disciples to cast them out. Now, the disciples have general consecration, so this is not a problem because I've seen you before and I've dealt with you before, so this ain't going to be an issue. The, the scripture declares that the disciples could not cast out the demon. Jesus walks down the mountain, approaches them, and says, what are you doing arguing with my disciples? Father hollers out, I brought my son to your disciples because I know I've heard the reputation that they can cast out demons. Now my son has a problem and why they can't deal with him. 
So Jesus says, how long have this boy been dealing with this? From a child. Then the demon begins to act out, and the Bible declares, watch this, watch this, that Jesus speaks a word, and the demon go, go, go. He goes. The Bible declares the disciples, look at the text. Give me that. Put it on the screen. Mark 9, 28. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast this devil out? I need you to hear me just for a second. They were shocked and they were surprised because I've dealt with that before. What's different about this one as opposed to that one? What's the next verse? He said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, in the original Greek, that word prayer is earnest prayer. Watch the wisdom. So therefore, in some manuscripts, you don't have the word fasting, but the Jews understood that whenever there was an earnest prayer, it was always accompanied with fasting. So what Jesus is saying, for this kind, you need a deeper form of consecration. Chat, come here again, sir. My lifestyle consecration, because I don't touch the devil toys, because temptation comes my way and I walk away from it, I can deal with that. Go, sir. Go, go, go. I can deal with that. In Jesus' name, I command you to get off my, my stuff, get off my house, get out of my car. In Jesus' mighty name, through my lifestyle consecration. Shed, come here. this kind. Hmm. Lifestyle consecration disciples won't be enough. Just because you dropped your nets and left your father to follow me for this kind, it won't be enough. If you're going to rightfully deal with this one, it's going to take intense prayer and fasting if you're going to deal with this. Now, in the body of Christ, locally and at large, there are too many of us, we have made accommodations for this kind because we won't do what we need to do to get rid of him. If it really takes fasting and prayer, he may be here for a while because I have a relationship with food that seems to be more important than deliverance in my life. And it's not until I push back the plate will I be, come, come on, let's, let's, so, so general consecration, general consecration is a lifestyle. But when it comes to specific consecration, it is a temporary sacrifice of anything that heightens the sensation of the flesh. What's the purpose of intense consecration? It's because I need to get in a place with God where I can hear him clearer. I want to, I want to, uh, yeah, come here for a second. Lady McGee, come here. Pop, come here just for a second. Jeff, come here real quick, 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 quick. Come, 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 
come, come. So this is what the devil does. He fills your life with people. And everybody that's in your life ain't necessarily bad, but there are certain people in your life that highlight manifestations of your flesh. And because they're in your life, it's hard for you to hear God because their presence speaks fleshly things too loud. So what God will have you to start doing, he'll have you to start getting people out of your life. Come on, somebody. And because these folk are out of my life, watch this, I am experiencing lifestyle consecration. The stuff that I know hides my flesh, I have cut myself off from it, and therefore I can hear from God a little bit clearer. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by what, y'all? The word of God. But then there are times when it ain't just fleshly things, but it's, I just need to hear God right now. And I appreciate your opinions. I know you love me and I thank God for what you think about what I'm going through. But right now, I can't even hear y'all. I need to hear God. So I need to specifically consecrate myself because the discount that I'm dealing with, y'all ain't saying nothing in this play. Lifestyle consecration won't be enough to deal with him. Are y'all with me in this place? And I'm telling you today, if you haven't, you will be confronted with the this kind. And only intense consecration will break the power of that enemy. Now we challenged here. We challenged. <laughs> we real. Who, who got some snacks up in here? Anybody got some snacks? <laughs> See, I'm gonna do me like, come on. Ain't nobody got no snacks. What's what's that? Pecans. That's good. Can I have them? I'm going to buy you some more. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just take my time just for a moment? I'm telling you that God, uh, Pop, so I'm, I'm meditating on this. I'm meditating on this. And, and I see God wanting to do something. I see God want to do something. And I've been praying God take us back. And the reality is I've been praying for God to take us back to a place the church never should have left. Yeah, when it comes to my forefathers, naturally and spiritually, I ain't even going to the New Testament. I ain't even going to Paul and Peter and, and James and all those boys. I'm talking about, watch this, generations back. I know more scripture and I know more word. I hear more word. I have the capacity to hear more word than they heard. I got Bible on CD. I got Bible on my phone. If I get tired of reading, Aunt Charlotte, I can, let, I can push play and it'll read it to me. I'm not limited to good preaching to this geographical location. I can go on YouTube and hear any sermon in the entire world. I can go on social media and hear people, watch this, that I would have never heard in my lifetime. So we are not void of word. We're not, we're not void of it. 
But the difference between this generation and that generation, it doesn't make sense because they did they experienced more miracles than we're experiencing today. They had moves of God better than we have moves of God. The power of God would manifest in a crazy way, but all we got is, watch this, just great exegetical teaching. When God says, I want more than just good teaching, but I want my power to manifest. Well, what's the big difference? I'll tell you what the big difference is. Those men and women of God knew how to consecrate themselves. Sacrifice themselves. They knew how to cut themselves off from the world. Not, watch this, not forever. Watch this, because I still got to go to work. I still have to interact with the world. I still got to go to the grocery store. But there was a certain season in their lives when they understood the true value of literally cutting myself off from everything. Why? Because, what I'm, because of this kind that I'm dealing with, I got to hear something fresh. Why? Because the faith that I need, oh my God, needs to have a word that's so powerful that it'll build me up. So I start thinking about this thing for a second. I want to help Jesus. So many of you all know I lost a sister um, several years ago, I believe 2017. Uh, um, she had acute liver failure, acute liver failure, and um, mourned and grieved and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And lo and behold, a year later, I go to the doctor, and the doctor says that I have an issue with my liver. And I'm like, the devil is absolutely a liar. So I'm talking to my doctor, and I'm trying to figure out what, what do I need to do, doc? I know I'm going to pray. I know I'm going to spend time in the face of God. But the doctor tells me that, Greg, you need to change your diet. And I'm telling you today, one of the hardest things in the world I want to, can, I, can I just be real, real tr transparent? Breaking away from fornication wasn't the hardest thing in the world. Not smoking wasn't the hardest thing in the world. Not drinking, not the hardest thing in the world. What the hardest thing in the world for me was, was to put this down. We live in a society that's culturally anti-fasting for the believer. I'll tell you why. Because I did my homework and I found out that foods that are made, they're made to be in a way, watch this, that they create satisfaction in the taste buds, but no satiety. Is that the word? So the more you eat, so when the commercial says you just can't eat one, oh, they prophesying. Because the way I created this, I created this, watch this, the more you eat, the hungrier you are, but the less feeling you are as well. So the reality is, if you eat enough of this, you will get sick before you get full. So if I'm putting this kind of stuff in my body, oh I announced a fast to my children the other day and I said, hey, we, we actually doing a total fast this year. They were like, dad, no. Don't do us. Why, Father, why have thou forsaken us? I had to, I had to break up with food. 
I had to alter my relationship with food. I had to alter my mindset to stop living to eat, but just eat so I can. There's certain food that I completely cut out of my diet, and the reason I cut it out, because I just can't eat just one. And I can't lie to myself and eat one and put it to the side, but I promise you, everybody go to bed. I can't tell you how many times my wife walked in the kitchen and be like, I had 15 cookies last night before I went to bed. Greg, what are these cookies at? I'd be like, you better get with them kids. <laughs> then I walk out because I don't want her coming back to me because I took out all 15. <laughs> and I would have baked some more if I would have. So I had to break up with my, with my food and start putting things in my body. And so, so this is what I'm not going to do. So as I talk about this, I'm not selling diets. I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that because really, the reality is what works for my body might would kill you. Real talk. The, the, way, the, way I, the way I treat my body and the things that, that are nutritious for me may be totally harmful for somebody else. So I'm not trying to uh, sell you a particular eating regimen. Don't eat this or don't do that. I'm, I'm understanding what works for my body type, and I made a choice that I'm not. Now, you mean to tell me. You was in the world, and you got shot at, you got stabbed, you almost had an overdose, and God saved you, sanctified you, filled you with the Holy Ghost. And now little Debbie's finna take you out? Talk to me now. Drugs couldn't take you out. Little Debbie finna take you out. Drunk yourself as silly as a fish. Silly as a fish. Some of y'all convicted right, right now because you're like, Lord, just forget yesterday what happened. <laughs> just overlook that day. I'm, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to condemn anybody. I am trying to help you because I... I Mm. Um, I say this with all, maybe I shouldn't say it. I got to say it. I want to say it with all sincerity. What's the difference? Uh, I'm, I'm not being sensitive, so if you're offended by the statement, I'm, I'm apologizing in advance. What's the difference between putting a gun to your head getting it over with quickly, and then killing yourself one bite at a time. That's what some of us are doing, one bite at a time, killing ourselves. Heart attack at a time, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, and I know that there are certain things that are, are genetically uh, uh, programmed, and there are some people that are born with certain deficiencies in their bodies. But a lot of the sickness, and I'm speaking from a scientific point of view, a lot of the sicknesses 
that we experience, let me just say, right here in the church. It ain't because your mama had it. It ain't because your daddy had it. It's because you eat like your mama and you eat like your daddy. Now, some of y'all mama and daddy ate like that because literally that's all they had. What, what's, what's, that, what's that? It's like a butter or lard. It's all they had. But some of y'all know better and you can afford better and you still choose not to do right by your body. I'm telling you that we're living in a society that is anti-consecration for the believer. But this is what the scripture, Jesus says, he doesn't say if you fast, but he says when you fast. Now, we're getting ready to do 21 days of consecration. This is what I want to challenge the church with. This is what I want to challenge the believers with. I want to challenge, we've done the Daniel fast in the past, and I'm not throwing rocks at the Daniel fast, not at all. But I want to take us to a deeper level of consecration. I want you to pray about a daily timed break from food. For the next 21, for the 21 days, starting January the 3rd, a daily timed break. Now, I'm not going to be legalistic and, and tell you what your time should be. That you, some, 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 I, one of my mentors, um, he, he does a, a, a 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. the next day. Sometimes he'll do a 6 p.m. to a 12 uh, noon or a 3 o'clock or whatever. Then there's sometimes, and, and it's interesting, um, mm, crazy. Let me just confess, me. As a 43-year-old man, I am 43, right? I actually have more knowledge than I have power when I was 23. I'm telling you right now, I have more knowledge than I had power. When I was 23, I had more power than I had knowledge. Because in college, fasting was a, it was a monthly discipline. Monthly discipline. I do a three-day fast or a seven-day fast. Uh, sometimes I'll do water only or sometimes I'll do a beef broth or chicken broth for three days or for uh, seven days or whatever. I had this discipline. And this discipline increased my sensitivity to the things of God and allowed me to overcome certain things. So even your pastor, I'm confessing that I've gotten lax in my fasting life, but that's changing. It's changing. Because I see God want to do something greater, not just in this church, but he wants to do something greater in me. And what he wants to do, everybody shout, the will of God requires my participation. It requires your participation. And what does God need? He needs your faith. It's by faith the promises of God are manifested. So not only do I have to build my faith with the word of God, I also have to fortify my faith through consecration. Yes, general consecration is in order. A lifestyle of consecration is in order. But there are times when you're going to run across a what, y'all? A this kind. And when you run across a this kind, and see, I'm so grateful, I'm so blessed. There's some of y'all not even dealing with a this kind right now. So you're like, well, Pastor, I'll do it next time. No, baby, you need to practice. You need to get your practice in right now. Because watch this. 
if I run into something and I need it, I'd rather know, go ahead and know how to do it to get where I need to get, to be where I need to be, as opposed to be driven into a desperate situation, be like, I ain't never fasted before in my life, but I guess I'm going to try it now. Yeah. So again, starting January 3rd, I want to challenge you with the time fast. Let me say this. Uh, if you're pregnant, I don't want you to fast. I don't want you to fast if you're pregnant. If you're taking medicine, I want you to call your doctor. I want you to consult with your doctor. At least let him know what you're doing or what you want him to do. Get his opinion, get his advice so that he can be monitoring you, your levels and all that other kind of wonderful stuff. But for the rest of us, healthy folk in here, I want you to pick out a time frame. 